free. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love free, right? I mean, can we all say that we get excited about free? Uh, my family gets excited over uh, buy one value meal, get a kid's meal for free at Chick-fil-A on Tuesday nights. And I know that all the parents get pretty excited about something like that. Or uh, we get excited about buy one tube of toothpaste, get one free, you know, at CVS when the ads come out on Sundays. Or, you know, so what if my family once in a while has gone down to Sam's Club and enjoyed all of the taste, taste tests for free? Uh, and doesn't everyone do that once in a while? I mean, you know, what else are you supposed to do on a uh, dreary Saturday afternoon? Uh, I think we can all agree that free is a great thing. We all get excited about free. Well, we're continuing in our series this morning called Chasing the Almighty. And last week we talked about money, but specifically uh, the dangers of living so consumed by money that it leads to a life of greed, it leads to a life of fear. And we talked about how God is truly for us. And you have to hear that and you have to understand that, that God is on your side on this one. He is truly for us when it comes to this, this subject of money. He knows and he realizes how unfulfilling and how destructive life can be for anyone who, who goes through life absolutely consumed with the almighty dollar. And many people today, and, and even right people here, even people here this morning, even people here at Genesis Church are, are so consumed, are so infatuated with money and the false sense of security. Security that it provides. Someone once said that, and I quote, the average American drives his bank financed car over a bond financed highway on credit card gas to open a charge account at a department store so he can fill his financed home with installment plan furniture. And, and the sad reality of that is that that has become the norm today, right? We've just all kind of accepted that that's normal. I mean, there's always going to be a car payment. There's always going to be a house payment. You carry a charge card. You know, there's, there's never going to be enough money. You're never going to have quite enough. And, and so we've accepted this to be normal. And, and normal is living in bondage, you know, to this fear that there'll never be enough money. We're consumed by the fact that there will never have enough. But today I want to talk to you about being free. I want to talk to you about what it means to be free, you know, and I'm not just talking about the free stuff that CVS offers. Now, you may not believe this, but God wants you to be free. And I'm going to say that again because it's true. God wants you to be free, especially when it comes to your finances. You know, and free is about being people, not in bondage to finances and debt, but people who are able to live free financially. And I hope that's encouraging to you. Now, there are a couple of things that I want you to know when it comes to this word free. And if you're taking notes, uh, you can copy this down or you can fill in the blanks. It's this, that God wants you to be financially free. And when God talks about freedom in the Bible, there are two aspects of that freedom. It's the freedom from and the freedom to. Let me say that again in case you missed it. God wants you to be financially free. And when God talks about freedom in the Bible, there are two aspects of that freedom. It's the freedom from and the freedom to. Now, let me illustrate that for you just a little bit. And I know that this will probably be difficult to see uh, if you're sitting far back, which means you should sit closer to the front, especially in this first service. Um, but a financially free person, if God, God, God talks about freedom, there's two aspects of it. There's a freedom from, and there's a freedom to. Now, what does that freedom from look like? Well, that freedom from is freedom from the burden of worry. Uh, it's freedom from the burden of, of anxiety. Uh, what else does God want to offer us freedom from? I believe that God wants to offer us freedom from, you know, time thinking about how we can get more. 
you know, time about how to get more, how to, how to get more money, how, how to make a little bit more, you know, how can we go ahead and get ahead? Um, I, I believe that the freedom that God wants to offer us is a freedom from, you know, the, the impulsive decisions that we sometimes make. Uh, and what happens when we make impulsive decisions? Well, those decisions lead to regret. I wish this thing was just a little bit taller. Uh, the other freedom that God wants to offer us is a freedom uh, from, from this grief that sometimes comes from unexpected loss. You know, maybe you lost a job along the way. Maybe some things came up that, that you weren't expecting. You know, the, the transmission went out. The, the roof uh, failed at just the wrong time. God wants to offer us freedom from the strain of debt. You know, and maybe you've been carrying debt for a number of years and, and maybe some of it wasn't your fault and, and maybe some of it was just, some, again, from some of that unexpected loss in your life. But God also wants to offer us freedom uh, from ongoing conflict with our spouse. You know, uh, money is one of the things that, that men and women fight about the most in their marriage. And, and so God wants to give us freedom uh, from that conflict. And we can all say amen to that. Uh, what, what does God want to offer us freedom to? Because, again, it's not just freedom from, but God offer, wants to offer us freedom to enjoy uh, what we have, you know, that you're able to come to this place uh, of contentment in your life. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes. Uh, God wants to give us the freedom to be generous, you know, generous with our church, uh, generous with opportunities that come up around us so that we can have the freedom to say, yes, God, what do you want to do through me? What more do you want to do in me? I believe that God wants to give us the freedom to live and not to live lives in fear, but to be able to say with our lives, God, I am ready and I am willing to go anywhere to do anything that you want to offer to me. And finally, God wants to give us the freedom uh, to chase him. And that's what we're talking about in this series. And not about chasing, you know, the almighty dollar, but it's the freedom to chase him. Do this. If you're sitting, I think just about everybody is sitting near someone. Why don't you turn to the person next to you right now and just answer this question. If you could look forward, if you can imagine God doing a great work in your life, what would you look forward to? The freedom from or the freedom to? You know, if you could be to that financially free place in your life, what would you enjoy the most? The freedom from or the freedom to? What would be that one thing? Take a moment and just do that. Turn to the person next to you and answer that question. Come on, I want to hear talking. No whispering. All right, I don't know what it is for you, but, but I'm hoping that every single one of us uh, wants to be free people. You know, even if it feels like the greatest dream or the most impossible dream, you know, when it comes to finances, I hope that we could all enjoy, if, if we believe that it was truly possible, uh, that we could be free people, free from stuff, free from the grip of money. Well, Scripture has a lot to say about this. Again, because I told you, God's on our corner on this one. He wants us to live as free people. And Scripture has a lot to say about what it means to be free from and free to. Uh, and here's God's truth for us. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, go to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. Again, it's this freedom from... Uh, and this freedom too, that this financial peace, this financial freedom that God wants to give every single one of us. Uh, here, here's God's truth in this. And just stay at Hebrews 13 because we're going to spend some time uh, here in a couple of verses this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Now, this isn't God saying that he wants us to take a vow of poverty or go around living our lives like we're broke. Uh, it's not money that we need to be freed from. It's the love of money. 
Uh, It's this unhealthy dependence or this unhealthy infatuation with money. And I know a lot of you are thinking, well, I don't love money. Okay, I'm not in love with money like some people are. But again, I don't think that for most of us that, that that, that this is the problem. Our problem isn't so much that we love it. Our problem is that we are in love with it. All right? It's that we're in love with it. Now, here's what I mean by that. Uh, how many of you are married uh, to your high school sweetheart or to maybe a, a college uh, sweetheart? How, how many of you around the room? Okay, lots of hands going up. Now, thinking back on those days of your life, uh, if, you're, if you're past them, uh, how many of you had one of those relationships or desired one of those relationships in your life, those what was I thinking kind of relationships? You know, like you, you, you were infatuated with someone or you thought you loved someone. Anybody, anybody have a relationship like that that you look back and think, what was I thinking? Now, I hope you didn't raise your hand for the same person twice, you know, because or that's how it worked out in your life or something. But I think, I think it's pretty true that we all have those, what was I thinking? you know, types of relationships, you know, the ones you thought if, if only she were in my life or, you know, that everything would be perfect and, and this would be right. And so maybe you dedicated a song to her on the radio or you went around wearing his letter jacket for a while. And, and that's all you could do. That's all you could think of. You didn't really love him or her, but you were in love with the idea of him or her in your life. Now we tend to have that same kind of relationship with money. All right. That's how it works for us. Now we may not love it, but we're in love with it. Uh, there's a false sense of security it provides and so we lie awake at night thinking about you know if i could only get more of it or or you lose sleep when you see it slipping away and and we're easily fascinated with things like lotto or gambling and we get wrapped up in shows that show people winning significant amounts of money or losing significant amounts of money you know there are plenty of songs that talk about the love of money you know it's it's easy uh, to have this obsessive i can't live without money Uh, If I don't have this much, then I won't have this security in my life. And we think that if we can get just the right amount, then therefore we'll be happy or we'll have the right amount of joy or we'll have the security in our lives. Yet studies show that people with more money than they know what to do with aren't really that happy. In fact, I was reading an article this past week in Money Magazine. Uh, A recent study uh, by two economists found that there is no improvement in happiness in either the U.S. or Great Britain as your income increases. Uh, These economists explain, and I quote, that if you follow a single person over time as they move from lower income to higher income, you find no increase in their happiness. Why? Because more money does not guarantee happiness or greater happiness to you and me. And and so when the Bible says in Hebrews here, when the Bible says, keep yourselves from the love of money, it's talking about my relationship. It's talking about your relationship with money. Now, let's be real. We all have a relationship with money, whether we want to realize it or not. And what I want you to see today is what a right relationship with money looks like. Because for way too many, and I I think an overwhelming number of people, not only outside of the church, but inside of the church too, is we spend way too much of our life chasing money. Uh, We spend way too much of our life chasing money. We put all of our security, we put all of our hope in money. And as we learned last week, what does Jesus say, uh, what it means to be a Christian, is you can't serve both God and money. He said you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve two masters. You can't run in two different directions at the same time. And so what's it going to be for you? I mean, what relationship do you want more in your life? Who are you going to put your faith in? Who are you going to put your trust in? Are you going to put it in God or are you going to put it in money? 
the freedom that God wants to offer to you is a great blessing. It's a great promise that you can count on. But you've got to be willing to set aside that desire for money be, uh, and put all that focus on God. Again, he's in your corner on this. Uh, Hebrews 13.5, again, going back there, offers at least a, a few practical steps, I think, for us when it comes to a right relationship with money. Uh, again, because we're all going to have a relationship with money, uh, it's just about having that right relationship, uh, a relationship that allows us and doesn't prohibit us uh, from finding the freedom that God can provide. Uh, just a few things if you're taking notes and, and want to write these down. The first one is this. Um, if you want to take these steps towards freedom in your life, the first one is don't fall in love with money. Uh, the first one is don't fall in love with money. Now, I know it's easy for you to think that doesn't apply to me. I don't have a problem, uh, you know, w- with this money thing. You know, I- I'm not obsessed with it. I'm not in love with money. Well, let's look at what God's word has to say about this love with money and what that looks like. Now, be honest with yourself here as you evaluate. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says, whoever loves money never has money enough. Is that you? You ever find yourself in that kind of situation that it's just like there's never enough, you know, there just always needs to be a little bit more and it never seems to be there. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Now, I, I think there's some truth in that. Would you agree that this never being satisfied with our income? We're all guilty of that. Uh, NPR did a study recently and found that no matter how much you make, Uh, people across every single income bracket, it it always proved to be true, that people say that they need to make at least 23% more uh, than they currently make. That if they could just make 23% more than what they currently make, then it would be enough. Uh, And then they would be happy. Uh, There would be enough income to go around. And so people making $50,000 a year say, you know what, if I made $23,000 or 23% more, uh, then that would do it. And, and people who make $75,000 a year would say, you know what, if I could just make 23% more, then that would do it. And, and people who only make $10,000 a year, the same study true to be true, uh, proved to be true. If they could just make 10 th- or 23% more, then they could do it. Now, I know what you're thinking that, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, what's wrong with wanting to get ahead? I mean, there's inflation and saving for college and, and prices go up and everything. Uh, what, what's wrong with wanting a little bit more? Now, Maybe nothing. I I can't say that there's anything wrong with that argument. But when I read these words from Ecclesiastes, I mean, who can say that they are ever really truly satisfied with their income? Uh, And it plays out with other things, too. It's not just money. In fact, uh, I was thinking about my iPod this week. Um, I got really excited, you know, back however many years ago, like 10 years ago when I, when I got my first iPod and I thought I was really cool, like I was on the front end of it all. Um, I still have it. It's still my iPod. It's the one with the, the little uh, rotary dial and everything. And now everyone else has really cool iPods. Like their iPod, you can talk into them and uh, you can play really cool games on them. Like you can do solitaire on mine, but you all have really cool games on yours. And yours holds like a gajillion more songs uh, than mine. And so like I'm come to this point where I'm not truly satisfied with my iPod anymore um, because there are much cooler iPods out there. Um, You might not be in love uh, with money like you think or as much as you realize, but but I think every one of us has to guard against this temptation of, I I just wish there was a little bit more. Uh, The second thing is that you might need to break up with money. Uh, If you're going to truly discover or begin this journey of discovering the freedom that God wants to offer you, uh, you might have to have a good old-fashioned breakup with money. Uh, But breaking up is pretty hard to do, isn't it? Um, I, I've discovered that I'm a people pleaser 
And as I look back on my life, I, I can see that playing out uh, in all ages. And, and for me, I, I hated breaking up with girls like in high school and college. And so um, usually what I did is I would just kind of like act like a jerk or not call for a week or something or ignore them and, and just kind of let them go ahead and break up with me. Or that's at least what I, I made myself believe was really happening. And, and as hard um, mentally or emotionally or spiritually that it might be for you, uh, when it comes to money, um, you've, you've got to break up with it. You've got to bring an end to that love relationship, that infatuation that you have or may have in your life because it's really the only first step uh, towards freedom, to discovering the freedom uh, that God wants to give you uh, over this money thing in your life. Uh, you've got to be able to come to this place where you say, you know, money, you can't have power over me anymore. Uh, our relationship has to be so much different. I mean, we can still be friends, you know, but it's over. I mean, it has to be over. And so where do you fit in with that? Uh, you know, do you, do you need to break up with money? I mean, has the relationship gone on too long? Is it an unhealthy relationship uh, for you? Now, whatever it means for you to break up with money, there's one word here in Hebrews that I, I think is worth highlighting. And it's found in Hebrews chapter, uh, again, 13, verse 5. It's the word keep. Uh, if you're following along in the NIV, you can circle that word in your Bible. It's the word keep. It might be the word stay, uh, depending on what translation you have. But the verse says, keep your lives free from the money. You know, the word keep tells us that breaking up with money is not just a one-time thing. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like that relationship that you had in your past that you kept going back to, or maybe that you keep going back to. It's an unhealthy relationship, and you know it's good for both parties if you bring it to an end, but you just kind of seem to be finding each other with each other all the time. You know, it, but, but it, it, you've got to stay broken up. I mean, breaking up is one thing, but staying broken up is another. And so the challenge, you know, with breaking up with the almighty dollar is this. Money's not going to go away. You know, and even if you make a commitment here this morning that, you know what, I'm breaking up with money. I'm going to give it all to God. I'm going to chase him. Money's not going to go away because when you quit chasing money, it'll start chasing you. It's not going to go away easy. And so what do we do? I mean, how, how do we get out of this crazy, strained relationship with money and stay out? Well, the next part of the verse shows us. Again, verse 5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And then what? And be content with what you have. And be content with what you have. And, and this is really the key. It's that word content. It's found there in that word content. It's, it's to be satisfied. It's to find peace. I mean, in order to break up with money and to stay broken up with money, we have to trade in this relationship that we have um, with money to a new relationship with God, to this new relationship that begins with contentment. And, and I don't mean a fling. I don't mean simply infatuation. This is a long-term committed relationship with contentment. And contentment's not easy. It's not easy at all, but it's imperative for those who want to enjoy the freedom that God has promised to us. And again, it's a challenge because we're pretty discontent people. Uh, according to a recent article uh, in the Wall Street Journal, Starbucks, uh, stung by uh, recent customer surveys, uh, has instructed its baristas to start slowing down uh, in the process of making coffee drinks. And surveys have suggested that uh, more and more uh, fans of Starbucks are just simply laboring, labeling the drinks as average. And, and customers uh, complain that uh, baristas are making too many drinks at the same time and therefore the quality level of the drink uh, continues to decrease. And so uh, baristas have been notified and instructed to slow down, to not make more than two drinks at the same time, uh, to make sure that the quality improves. 
But the same article said, unfortunately, in response to this increased concern for quality already, the irony is, but really should we be surprised in this, that Starbucks customers are already complaining that the lines are too long and the drive-through is taking much longer to get through. You know, see, contentment is a challenge. You know, it's a relationship that you have to work at because we're discontent people by fault. You know, in verse 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. You know, some of you might hear that word contentment, you know, and think that that doesn't sound like an easy relationship. Uh, I, I work hard at trying to be content. I want to be content, but I'm just naturally a very discontent person. You know, and the truth is that we all, you know, might be up for a little relationship with contentment. But like the Starbucks scenario here, there's always a but, you know, like I really want to be content, but I just like a little bit bigger house. You know, I, I really want to be content, but God, if I could just make about $20,000 more a year. Or I really want to be content, but God, we really need an SUV right now because what we have just ain't cutting it. Or I really want to be content, God, but I just really want my kid to be able to get into that school or to have that private education or whatever. Or I really need that much in the bank. You know, I mean, stuff that we've become so attached to, I mean, has really become such an identity source for us. But here's a problem. Our infatuation with money and accumulation and security and getting ahead, you know, has kept us from enjoying a relationship a free relationship that God wants to give to us, one that's defined by contentment. The scripture points to the rewards of contentment. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. If I were to put that into a math equation, uh, here's what that would look like. Uh, godliness, that means what it means to be close to God, to live the life that God has called for us, plus contentment, plus when we add a life of contentment, an attitude of contentment, Scripture promises us leads to a life of great gain. Now, we often turn that around and we say godliness with great gain equals contentment. And some even preach that. And that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous message to preach. And it's a dangerous lie to live. You know, but when you're in love with money, when you're consumed by money, when you chase money, you know, you think you can't be happy, you know, unless you have more and more of it. And it's all about money and having cash so that we can get whatever we want so that we can truly be content. Uh, I like what Ron Blue said, a man who dedicated uh, his life to helping fi- people find financial freedom. He said, having the cash to buy or do whatever you please does not guarantee contentment. The content person is one who can be separated from his or her possessions without being undone. And consequently, he or she does not have to live in fear of loss. Now, it's contentment. You know, to be content with what you have as the scriptures say. Now, how do we take a step towards contentment? Well, I realize that you know, we may have some here today that are doing re- really well in this area of contentment. Uh, but I know that some of you may be like me too, uh, that we need to take a step towards contentment. We need a first step. You know, a committed relationship with contentment depends on one thing as its foundation, one thing that we need to work on or to leave with today. Uh, look back to uh, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 again. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. And here's the second part. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now, maybe you've read this verse before. Maybe you've read the second half of this verse before and thought to yourself, I never realized that had to do with personal finances. Because I've heard that verse before. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And 
And I, I had never associated with it the fact that God was talking about his faithfulness when it comes to this area of money and provision in our life. You know, we, we've got to be people, if we're going to grow closer to God, if we're going to be the men and women, the followers of Jesus that God wants for every single one of us, we're, we're going to have to break off this relationship with money and get so focused on contentment in our relationship with God instead so that we can truly say with our mouths, you know, God, my confidence is in you. You know, so we can say with confidence, God, you are my helper. You are my provider. I will not be afraid. What can happen to me, God? Because you have promised that you will provide for me. You are my provider and I will not be afraid. You know, the alternative is this love affair with money. uh, That many of us, many of you, you know, find yourselves in right now. And what does it lead to? It leads to a life of fear. It leads to a life of greed. I mean, it's fear that drives this relationship, this relationship, this infatuation with money. Uh, It's the fear that if we break up, you know, that my life will be miserable or I won't be able to get the things that I need. It's the fear that I'll never be able to find happiness. But what does the Lord God Almighty say to those who put all of their trust and all of their faith in him? God says, you can count on me for meaning. You can count on me for purpose and you can count on me for satisfaction. Now, does that mean that you won't ever go bankrupt or lose your job? Uh, Does that mean that you won't uh, be able to buy the van or with the leather, leather seats or, or get the house that you want by the lake? Does it mean that you won't be able to or you will be able to retire at the age of 60 and live just as comfortably as you would like to live? Well, those are good questions. I'm not going to try and answer some of those questions for you because they're difficult. And I can't make that promise to you this morning. But here's the promise that I can make to you. You don't have to live in fear. That's the promise that God has offered to you and me is that we don't have to live lives of fear. You don't have to live a life of of insecurity. And if you're trapped right now in this awful relationship of greed and fear, this false security that money wants to offer you, uh, lies to you about you, you don't have to live like this any longer. God is in your corner on this one. He wants you to have this life of freedom. He wants you to be free. You know, freedom to live, freedom to give, freedom to trust, freedom to make decisions in your life as God leads you. You know, and it's not uh, just about uh, getting a budget or it's not just about having six months uh, in the bank uh, so that you can find security or paying off credit card debt as important and as wise as these decisions may be. Now, the first step that God wants every single one of us to take in moving more and more closer uh, to understanding what this relationship, this life uh, of, 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 um, of freedom looks like. Uh, it begins with contentment. And contentment is learning to trust God instead of money. And, and can you make that statement with your life this morning? You know, God, I, I am learning to trust you. God, I will trust you. I will put my faith in you and I won't put my faith in anything else. God, that's what I want for my life. You know, it's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to nod your head over it. It's another to, to believe it. Again, it's a faith thing. It's, it's a trust thing. And it's where we ended last week. You know, faith and trust is putting um, your life uh, in the hands of someone else. And who better to trust your life to than the one who promised that he would never leave us? I love Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You've probably heard them before. Uh, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, Is your faith in God? Is your trust in God? Are you acknowledging him in all the areas of your life? You can't serve both God and money. You can't have two masters. 
We can't run in two different directions at the same time. Who are you chasing this morning? Are you chasing God, the Almighty One, or are you chasing the Almighty Dollar?